And Shabbat Shalom. Greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We had a little bit of a break and it's good to be back. Good to have you back. Greet one another in the chat. Make those connections. And remember, you can connect with your brethren the world over six days a week at Torah to the Tribes dot com forward slash connect we've got the shabbat fellowship we've got all kinds of connective groups and we are looking forward to seeing you at the next moed the next feast cycle of course will be the full feast of yahuwah coming up after the long dry summer blessings to you all as we delve back into the torah cycle we are in the book of numbers bar midbar in the wilderness, and what a wilderness it feels like. This week's Torah portion is Shalak Lecha, send for yourself the spies in the land, the spies in the land. And it comes to us from Bar Midbar Numbers chapter 13 verse 1, extending through chapter 15 verse 41. There's so much to dig out of this Torah portion. Firstly, in chapter 13, we see that the spies are sent into the land of Canaan. Of course, infamously, in chapter 14, Israel refuses to enter into the land. A bad report. We have, of course, the famous intercession of Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, in chapter 14, verse 11, where Yahuwah was going to commit total genocide on the whole house of Israel, but a mediator intercedes on behalf of the nation, and of course, Yahuwah's wrath is stayed. Yahuwah's wrath is stayed. How much more, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, do we have who have a greater mediator than Moshe to intercede for us in a time, brethren, when there is some bad reports going around? There are spies and propaganda in the land, and it's seeking to destroy the faith of the saints. What better hope do we have than the greater mediator than Moshe? Yep. Uh, of course, there is the death sentence on the rebels in chapter 14 and verse 26. And then they decide, you know what, we'll go up. We've had a change of mind. You know what, we, 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 we've reconsidered. Well, sometimes... It's too late to reconsider. You should have done it first in faith. Now, a futile attempt into the land, if you don't have it right inside you and you haven't got the ark present in you, you will fail. It's got to be by the power of Yahuwah, not by the might and by the hand of man. In chapter 14, verse 39, there is a futile invasion attempt. Then in chapter 15, we get into the laws of the grain and drink offerings. And then we get into the distinction between unintentional sin and high-handed, willful violation of Yahuwah's commanded presumptuous sin. There is a difference between unintentional sin and presumptuous sin. 
And then we have the penalty for violating the Shabbat. Meaning Shabbat is something that is sacred and dear and special unto Yahuwah. It should be sacred, dear and special unto his people. Especially with those that claim the name of Yahushua, the sovereign master of the Sabbath. And then in finality and conclusion, we have the tassels on the garments. Of course, this was before the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh. Meaning what? Tassels on, a, on the sign of the garment, it is a commandment of Yahweh to remind people when they would to look upon those tassels to keep the commandments of Yahweh. In Yahusha, of course we keep the commandments of Moshe, but there has been a transference to what? A greater priesthood, a greater covenant, a greater mediator, and the greater power of not mine eyes, but the eyes that are looking always, seeking and searching the eyes of the Ruach HaKodesh to guard our hearts on what we look upon. So you can see that transference there, never to negate the commandments of Yahuwah, but to understand the difference between not having the power of the Holy Spirit to convict you and then needing an outward sign because there isn't the inward change. Man, there's a lot to unpack today, and I have a title for you, a title for today's message, Propaganda and Bringing Back a Bad Report. Propaganda and bringing back a bad report. Because we, brethren, we live in a modern world that thrives upon bad reports. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's a bad report. There's a bad report in the land. There's a bad report in foreign lands. There's a bad report in the state. There's a bad report in the federal government. There's a bad report at the gas pumps. There's a bad report in the grocery store. There's a bloody bad report everywhere you look. Everywhere. There are spies infiltrating the land. Everywhere you look, it is so difficult not to succumb to the propaganda of a bad report. And that, brethren, is the whole point of Mystery Babylon, is to break down and wear down the saints and invade the land, which is the inner land, our inner sanctum, with bad reports. And it's everywhere. And unless we take action, decisive action, to set up boundary stones in our life, and I'm preaching to the choir here, we will, by default, be invaded by foreign species of bad reports. That's the world we live in, and we have a better way in which to live. Eventually, brethren, the effects of constant bad reports take the New World Order's desired effect on the faithful saints. You see, bad reports, there's three things. Bad reports from spies, bad spies, 
evil spies, the faithless, those who do not believe in the faith that was once delivered to the saints. A metaphor for the ten spies that brought back a bad report. The faithless, the godless, the heathen, the unbelieving, whatever you want to call them. Eventually, bad reports will do three things. Number one, they will overcome you. Number two, they will change you. And number three, they will change time. What? Yes, bad reports change time. Three things with bad reports. They overcome you, they change you, and they change time. Oh, I've got a lot for you today, brethren. It's good to be back. It's Torah to the tribes. It's Shabbat. Let's dig into the word of Yahweh. What do I mean? I mean a life of faith, a life of trust, a life lived in the immediacy is what Yahweh is calling you and me. What is that? That's a life of action. That is a life of possession. That's a life of let's go up at once and take the land. Let's go up at once and take the land. That's faith in action. That's the faithfulness. That's the cry of the saints in a world of propaganda and deceit. We have got to have a paradigm shift in the inner land, the inner sanctum of our life, our faith, the inside man, by setting up boundary stones and rejecting the ten spies evil report, which is what the world is operating in by default. They're putting up all those 5G towers. Boom! Bad reports everywhere, infiltrating through your devices, putting on the radio, YouTube. You have to everywhere, by default, 10 spies, propaganda is everywhere. You can't even listen to Christian music because that's been infiltrated by propaganda. You can't even go to the 501c3 church because they've been infiltrated by the land of the ten spies. It's all a big deception and everyone's drinking of it, drinking of it, drinking of it. And it affects and breaks down your body system. And you will never go into the land of the inner sanctum that Yahweh has created for his people. Negative reports overcome you, they change you, and finally, they change time. And that's what's so dangerous about the state of the union. What do I mean in all that I speak? A life of faith, a life of trust, is a life lived in immediacy, action, and possession of that faith. Ephesians 4, in the 13th chapter, excuse me, Ephesians in the 13th verse of the 4th chapter, calls it the fullness of Christ. And this, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of Elohim to a full-grown man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Moshiach. That's the fullness that Yahuwah has for us. Action. 
Immediacy is a good report. Caleb said in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, so, so far in Ephesians verse 4, verse 13 of chapter 4, excuse me, number 1, Negative reports can overcome you. Ephesians says that we need to what? Have the fullness of Messiah to be able to overcome the negative report. Number two, a negative report can change you. Well, action, Caleb said in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, let us go up at once, you change it. Whatever the it is, by an immediacy of faith in action. Faith in action. And finally, negative reports change time. Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. And he, he, who shall he be? The ten spies, if you will, a metaphor for evil propaganda and lack of faith. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, Torot, and they shall be given into his hand until a times, times a time, and the dividing of time. Negative reports. Number one, they can overcome you. Number two, they can change you. And number three, they can change time. But we have a remedy in those scriptures... Ephesians 4.13, Numbers 13, verse 30, and Daniel 7, verse 25, to negate the negativity of an evil report. Negative reports are usually birthed in the blooming dark, in the shadows of conspiracy. At night, they are public murmurings against the faith, like news reports, like public Actions, always scheming, always plotting against the laws of Moses and against the holy priesthood and against anything decent, just, holy, and right. Do you see it today? Do you see it in the world? Do you see it in our nation? The plotting, the scheming. Whereas faith, brethren, is action. Caleb said, let us go up at once and possess it. We can do it. We can possess it, for we are able to be overcomers in Moshiach. We are able to overcome it, no matter how big or frightening the paper giants are, we are able to overcome it. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, there's eight things on how you can overcome. How do you do it? Eight simple things. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever the sixth thing is, a good report. If we're talking Philippians 4 here, echoing back to our Torah portion. 
Paul was communicating to the Philippians, just like he did the Corinthians, don't get caught up in a bad report. The sixth thing here is a good report. The seventh is then going to be virtue, which is honor and integrity. And finally, it will be the eighth thing, praiseworthy. Now, three things happen out of the sixth one. Three things happen out of the sixth one. Some of you are like, what's he talking about? The sixth one being a good report in Philippians 4.8. Three things come out of a good report. Number one, good reports overcome the world. Number two, good reports change the world. They reshape the world. You can reshape the world by speaking out whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, a good report, virtuous, honorable, praiseworthy. And finally, a good report, number three, it can establish time. It can establish time. Good reports, brethren, they live in the private, though. Good reports live in the private. It's a private word. It's a private prayer. It's a private faith. It's a private meeting of the saints. This is what fills the void. Did Paul go through Judea having house church meetings in the private? Yes. To build up the strength of the saints so that they would go for a good report. It's always in the private. That's where the faith of the saints grows. And that fills the void. It fills the inner land and brings forth courage. Because you and I need courage today, don't we? We need courage in this land where they are trying to infiltrate your inner being with bad and evil reports. Number one, good reports overcome the world. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have spoken these things to you that you might have shalom in me, Yahushua said. In the world... In the bad reports, in the propaganda, there's going to be tribulation. It's going to diminish the faith. You're going to be depressed. You're going to have anxiety and stress and all of that stuff that the globalists are trying to push onto you through the bad reports. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world by the good report. And the good report is death, where is thy sting? We have the resurrection and the hope. We are just passing through. Number two, good reports change the world. They reshape the world. You and I, we can reshape the world. Change the world, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, there is ne a necessity therefore made a change in the Torah also. There is a greater administration of the Torah because it is a good report that Yahushua came and transferred the priesthoods. That's the better mediator than Moshe. So when you fall presumptuously or high-handedly, 
There is a way because there is a greater mediator. And finally, good reports, number three, they establish time. They establish his times by ministering a good report. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 9, it is written, Obtaining the end of your faith, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, about which salvation the prophet sought out and searched out, prophesying concerning the grace for you, searching for what or what manner of time, the spirit, the Ruach of Mashiach, made clear within them, testifying beforehand of the sufferings of Mashiach and the glories that should follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they ministered the things which are now reported to you by those who have preached the gospel to you in the Ruach HaKodesh, sent from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. That is a good report that establishes the time in which you and I should live. A time of faith, immediacy, and action. Let us go up at once and take the land, the inner sanctum, the inner land. This Torah, Pasha, is really about the battle between believing Yahweh's words or believing our eyes. Believing Yahweh's words or believing our eyes. There were two trees in the garden, brethren. Is a man going to live by experimental knowledge of reports? What's good and what's evil? A bad report, news and propaganda, which is reason, which is senses, which is seeing with your eyes, hearing with your ears. Or is a man going to live by faith and revelation and a trust in the Ruach HaKodesh to take immediacy in action? Faith being brought and called upon immediacy for action. Let me take it at once. We have to call on that faith to dwell up and rise up in us immediacy in action to overcome the paper giants that they are pushing on you wherever you go. Could be in the grocery store, could be in the post office, could be in the courthouse, in the public square, wherever. There are going to be times when you're going to be challenged to rise up against the propaganda and have faith, immediacy in action. Call on that faith deep from your inner land and say, I'm going to go possess the land at once and be victorious in this situation because they're trying to diminish you. Trying to have you not go into the land because you're afraid. I'm afraid for my little ones. I'm afraid for the next generation. <sighs> oh, we should give them the clock shot just in case. We, we, I mean, we should. Maybe we start with the elderly, but now let's go to the little infants. I see fear, fear for the little ones. Exactly what happened here, wasn't it? This Pasha is all about occupying the land. We need to occupy the land. The space in our bodies, the space in our heart, the space in our soul with strength and to ensure there is no negative space. And if there's anybody qualified to preach this message, it's me. Because these are the things that I struggle with, don't I, darling wife? 
Shema Israel, Yahweh our Elohim, Yahweh is one. And you shall love Yahweh your Elohim with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your minds. You shall fill the void. You shall fill the vacuum with immediacy of faith in action. Because if it's not filled, then something else will fill that vacuum. That's just basic physics, okay? And it's all the negative reports in the land by the ten spies, which is a metaphor for the infidel, for the godless, whatever you want to call them. These words, the words of Caleb, the words of Joshua, are the words that should be in your heart. That's a lot to think about, isn't it? Isn't it, Joshua? What's your middle name? Huh? Ah. We were in Daniel, Joshua, Daniel, see? Yeah, you thought maybe Joshua, Joshua, Daniel, Caleb. If we leave a void, brethren, it must be filled. If we leave a void, it must be filled. And the world is working over time to create a void and fill it with their version of the ministry of truth. It's basic physics. A void will be filled. A void left will be filled. Numbers chapter 13, 1. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, send men that they search the land of Canaan, which I give to the children of Israel from every tribe of their fathers. Shall you send a man? This is Yahweh's permissive will. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 22, the idea of sending spies, it didn't originate with Yahweh. It wasn't his ideas to send in spies. It didn't even originate with Moshe. To send in spies. It originated with Israel, with the body politic. Yahweh uses their senses to test them. Are our senses, is this generation that is presently inhabiting the earth, are our senses? being overstimulated more than any generation that has ever existed since the Garden of Eden? Unequivocally, yes. Yahweh is using all of this sensory test for us. And the devil, a metaphor for the ten spies who brought back an evil report, is using it to wear down the saints who fill the void with propaganda and believing the evil reports. That's in the news, that's on YouTube, that's on your news feed, that's everywhere bombarding you. On the commute to work, in the grocery store, in the elevator music, in the public square, in the courthouse, wherever it may be, paper giants are everywhere. Yahweh uses their senses to test them. It says, For every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, everyone a leader among them. 
The leaders are tested first, and then all Israel. Verse 3, And Moshe, by the command of Yahweh, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. Verse 4, And these were the names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemaah, the son of Zakur, of the tribe of Shimeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, meaning to be fiercely loyal. Now he was grafted in, remember. Caleb was grafted in because his father was a Kenazite. So he was grafted in, just like you and the good report. His father was a Kenazite. He was kind of intermixed with the worldly. But he was grafted in. The son of Yephanu. Verse 7 of the tribe of Issachar, Ilgal, the son of Yosef. Of the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim, they're the ones that hold the testimony of Messiah. Hoshea, Hosea, the son of Nun. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Rapha. Of the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi. Of the tribe of Yosef, namely of the tribe of Manasseh. Gadi, the son of Susi. Of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamliel. Of the tribe of Asher, Sethera, the son of Michiel. Of the tribe of Naphtali, Navi, the son of Vopshi. Verse 15, of the tribe of Gad, Geul, the son of Machi. These are the names of the men that Moshe sent to spy out the land. And Moshe called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yahoshua. So there was the adding of the two Hebrew letters, Yod, Vav, to his name. Now it's not just salvation, Yeshua, but Yahusha or Yahushua, meaning Yahuwah is our salvation. And in fact, I believe it's in the King Jimmy translation in the book of Acts. They made that mistake when they were translating and they said that, of course, Joshua back in the book of Numbers was Jesus in the translation. I think it's Acts chapter 6, is it not? You can, those of you in the chat, you can put that note up there now. Of course, I'm just going from memory here. You may wonder, where are the Levites, Levi, right? Where are the Levites? Of course, they don't have a land inheritance. They're not here. Note that the difference in leaders from the armies in chapter 2 of Numbers, this was never meant to be a military campaign. These spies going into the land, there's a difference in the numbering here as opposed to Numbers chapter 2. Because there it was a military campaign. This is not a military campaign. This was never meant to be a military action. The spies weren't to give a military report. But they were to give a description of the inner quality of the land. This wasn't a war. This was a command to go and give a description of the inner quality quality of the land. What's the inequality of my land? What's the inequality of your land? Too often times for me, those of you that know me well, I'm all about a bloody military campaign. It's an attack. All right, rah, 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 and I get all fired up. And there's a time for that. But I've most probably had my time of that. It's time to mature on for me. And look at the inequality of the land so that I can have more peace. 
What do you think of the inequality of the land today, brethren? How is your state of mind? How is your state of faith? Have you allowed it to be assaulted by the bad reports coming out of the world? I know I have at times. And I have to check and balance and then put more boundary stones out. Otherwise, by default, I'm going to be bombarded by a bad report. Look at verse 18. And see, and see. It says, and see. But it's more than with your eyes. Don't pay attention to the world's publishing print. You have to see with more than what is at available to the eyes. It's not what's in print. It's not what they put in the media. You have to see. It says in Mishlei, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that guards my Torah, happy is he. The ten spies, the world, if you will, they have no vision. They have no hindsight or foresight. All they do is react. React to whatever is brought before their eyes and ears. They live in a, in a reactive state, in a caustic state, like a caustic reaction in a science lab. And they're always banging on about the science, but most of them couldn't navigate through a science room without blowing themselves up anyway. There's eight things that we're to see as we look in the scripture of our text. Look at the eight things in verse 18. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwell there, whether they are, number two, Strong or weak. So first, they were commanded to see the land. Second, they were to see whether the land was strong or weak. Third, is it few or many? And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be for good or bad. And what cities there are that dwell in them, whether they be in five, tents, or are they in strongholds? Spy out the inequality of the land. And what is the land? Six? Is it fat or lean? And whether there is seven, wood there or not? Is there any wood there? And be of good courage. Be complete in your faith. The Hebrew word there is gevurah, a full-encompassing faith. And finally, number eight, and bring of the fruit of the land. There's eight things that they were to have the vision to see. Just eight things. Bear in mind those eight things. Number one, see the land. Number two, is it strong or weak? Number three, is it few or many? Number four, is it good or bad? Number five, are there tens or, tents or strongholds? Number six, is it fat or is it lean? Number seven, is there any wood there or not? Are there any trees, it seemed, there or not? And number eight... Bring back the fruit of the land. Now, the time was the season of the first grapes. So when would that be? In the feastal cycle, this was between Shavuot and before Tishri. Right in the season that we are approaching next, 
That's why this Parsha is so relevant to the days and times in which we live. Now look at verse 23. And they came to the brook of Eshkol, and they cut down from there a branch of one cluster of grapes, and they bore it between the two of them on a pole, and they brought of the pomegranates of the figs. Now, it's very interesting, if you go over to Israel today, to the land of Israel, this is the very symbol of the tourist bureau. If you go to the tourist bureau because you're trying to navigate through Jerusalem, this is the very symbol that will be on the little kiosk outside the tourist bureau in Jerusalem. What are they saying to you? They're saying, come, come to Israel and spy out the land and go back to the nations and give us a good report, would you? Right? That's what they're saying. What's really interesting here, when you look and the see, the eight things I pointed out to you in verse 18 through um, verse 20-odd, they're all opposites in verse 18, except for one. They're all opposites, aren't they? Strong or weak, few or many, good or bad, tense or strongholds, fat or lean, except for one, which, of course, would make me draw my attention to the one, would it not you? Number one, is it strong or weak? Number two, is it few or many? Number three, is it good or bad? Number four, tense or strongholds. Number five, is it fat or lean? Number six, etzim, trees or not? Huh. Well, why concern about trees? Why is Yahweh all of a sudden concerned about trees? Yahweh is very concerned about trees. Because in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The righteous are like trees planted by the rivers of water. In Psalm 92, it is written, The righteous, the Zadik, shall flourish like a palm tree and grow strong like a cedar. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life. And in Isaiah 66, verse 1, they are called trees of righteousness. And when Yahushua healed the blind man from birth, he said, What? I see men as trees walking. Yes, Yahweh is very interested in you and me. Trees that are walking. If there were righteous people in the land, Yahweh wants to know, Is there righteous people in the land? It's a metaphor. Go spy out the land. See if there's righteous people in the land. Because if there were righteous people in the land, they would have merited Yahuwah's special protection and favor. Therefore, conversely, if there's no righteous people in the land, that should have instilled great courage for them to go up and take the land at once because there would have been no defense from Yahuwah. Does that make sense? Today, how many righteous believers in Yahushua are inhabiting the inner land, our inner self, fully encompassing all that we have been called to be? Think about it. It's a call of faith. A clarion call to the inner sanctum of our faith, building up our faith from the inside out today. 
There were eight things, five were in favor and three were against of going into the land. Therefore, what should you do? Take the land. Five were in favor, three against. Therefore, take the land at once. It's defenseless. There's no trees. There's no righteous. Therefore, their defenses are removed. Yahweh's not going to be protecting them. Look at chapter 13, verse 26. They brought back word, all five in favor. Now look at it, going back to the eight that I called out immediately. Number one, they saw. Number four, it was good. Number six, it was fat. Number seven, there was no trees, meaning no righteous. And, and number eight, there's fruit. Let's go up at once. Five in favor. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, we came to the land, number one, where you sent us. And surely it flows with milk and honey. That's number four. It's good. And it's number six. It's fat. Right? And this is the fruit of it. Number eight. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled. And they're very great. And moreover, we saw children of Anak there. We saw some paper giants. Three things not in their favor. Two, three, and five. Strong, great, and walled. Right? But number seven, Anak, well, there's no trees. Anak's not righteous. It's not a righteous tree. So therefore, he's defenseless. He's been rendered a paper giant. Was it John Bunyan in the pil- who wrote The Pilgrim's po- Progress? It was, wasn't it? John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's po- Progress. Well, it's a fabulous thing. You should listen to it. Read it. And he goes into there in the account of the pilgrim's progress where he comes up against the giants and they're terrible. But then he realizes they're paper giants. They're paper giants. Look at chapter 13, verse 30. And Caleb quieted the people before Moshe and said, let us go up at once. Sometimes we just have to bring it down, Matthew. Bring down the chatter and the clatter. We have to really dig deep into our faith inside of us and then take immediacy of action and say, let us go up at once. Let's just turn off the news. Let's stop listening to all of this bad news. All of these bad reports that the spies, the ten wicked, godless heathens, They're going to be smoked here really shortly. And let's just go up at once because we know it's in us. We know the faith that has once been delivered to the saints. He is calling us to be that people to go up at once and possess it because we are able to overcome all things in Yahushua HaMashiach who sanctified us. Are we not? We are able to overcome all things. Anything that this world throws at me, I am able to overcome in Yahushua HaMashiach. I know it. I am assured of it. I will be able to overcome. And yes, there are times when the giants seem real. But that is only when I have been affected by the ten spies and an evil report of propaganda and believing their 
manufactured propaganda. And then when I go back to the word, I go back to the privacy and come out of the public squares, that's when I am able to overcome it and go up at once and possess it. But the men that went with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than us. And they brought, you like that voice? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched to the children of Israel, saying, The land through which he have gone to search is a land that eats up at its inhabitants. They changed the report. Hang on a minute. They're messing with the reports. Well, hang on a minute, didn't you just bring it? And, and then they publish one report, and then the next month they're publishing another report. And if you go back and you look at the track record of their publications and their reports, they're all over the blooming shop. They are making it up as they go along. They are manufacturing the numbers. They are toggling the graphs. A liar's number and numbers lie. And that's what they're doing. They changed the report. Number four, it was good. Yahweh said in Exodus chapter 23 that he would send his angel, his Malak, before them anyway if they didn't give a false report. His Malak, his angel, would go before Israel and he would weaken the plague and the unrighteous inhabitants. There were no trees. There were no righteous in the land. And all the people that we saw in it, oh, they were men of great size. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came, who came from the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And that's it. I mean, all the propaganda the last month, all, all the royal family, oh my goodness, it's the Jubilee, and oh my goodness, these, all these giants. Oh, we're not like them, those blue bloods. You mean the blooming reptilians? You mean the sons of the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, that have been generational shape-shifting for millennia? Yes, those same people that infiltrated the world from all the way back then. And everybody's, oh, it's the Queen's Jubilee. Do you think she'll live to a hundred? If you had her kind of DNA, you'd live to more than a hundred. Which is why all of these globalists do, because they're of a different what? Species, brethren. Chapter 14, verse 1. And the entire Gong congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moshe and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would to Elohim that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would to Elohim that we had died in this wilderness. And why has Yahweh brought us in this land to kill us by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey. Surely we should give them the clot shot so that they'll survive. It's so dangerous and <sighs> that's the propaganda. That's the report that's going out all across the land. 
Is it not better for us just to go back into Mystery Babylon and contract fully with her? There's a lot of benefits and privileges they're offering right now. So much so that everybody is hiring and you can't find enough people to want to actually work. Because they've all gone back to Mystery Babylon. Because they're afraid for their little children. And Mystery Babylon is offering all kinds of benefits and privileges. The spies, it's a revolt. There's three things to look for. Number one, a crisis of faith. I mean, the golden calf was still religious, you know. And what they're doing to the children, and what they're trying to do to the unborn, you know that is religious, right? It's a religious ritual. It's religious. And you know what they're trying to do? That there's not a male and a female and it's all something. That is religious. It's a religion. They were doing it back with Molech. There is nothing new under the sun. They've always been into that kind of stuff. It's a religion for them. They'd be willing to die for it. It's a crisis of faith. The golden calf was still religious, but not here. Not here in our text. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, they had lost all hope. They had lost all hope. They had denied the past and they had contested the very attributes of Yahweh that he disclosed to them earlier. His very attributes. Remember his 13 attributes? Well, look, of, look here in chapter 14, verse 17. Seven of the very 13 attributes of Yahweh are petitioned in intercessory prayer by Moshe because he realized that the people are, were denying the very nature of God. Do you and I live in a world like that? Where people are denying the very nature of God. God, that man created man and woman. That there was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Not, I mean, <laughs> the, very, the very essence of the faith. Number two, there was fear. They had been too long in the world. They had been too long in the world, bar midbar, in the wilderness. They had been too long in the wilderness that they had been overcome by it. And these godless people out here, the ten spies, a metaphor, they have been reared in the public school system. It's public, therefore it's going to be all full of paper giant propaganda. And they have spent too long in it that they can't see the wood for the trees, meaning they can't even see righteous people. They don't recognize that, but they've never seen it. Most haven't even read the Bible. They've spent too long in the wilderness, bar midbar, they've been overcome by it. And number three, and this one will hit the last generation, and I'll conclude here. 
Do we have a right to the land? Do we have the right to the land? Our bodies. The inner land. Do we have a right to our bodies? And by what right? What about the present inhabitant of the body? Should it be aborted? Should it be vaccinated? Should it be masked? Well, this third item is our current nation in crisis, brethren. This third item is our current nation in crisis. Due to their own evil reports, the ten spies, which is a metaphor for the lost, a metaphor for the godless, a metaphor for those that have been reared up unquestionably on the propaganda of mystery Babylon, they have actually set themselves up for destruction because they didn't have the hindsight, vision, or foresight to see what their false reports from the last two and a half years would bring about. They didn't realize that by spinning the false reports that they've been spinning for the last two and a half years, because they had no hindsight and they've got no vision, that they would actually unravel everything on which they built their house of sand. What do I mean on this third point? Well, for two and a half years, the ten spies, a metaphor for the godless heathen, have been banging on about that you don't have the right to self-determination. Your body is not your own. If we want you to wear a mask, then you will bloody well wear a mask. You do not have the choice to body autonomy. If we want you to take the bloody clot shot, then you will take the clot shot. Not only the old, not only the healthy, we're going to do it to the blooming infants now. And it is not your choice, it is not your body, we mandate it, you do it, sit down, shut up, we're giving you the clot shot. You do it for the betterment of your fellow spy. You do all of these things because we, the ten spies, have determined it. Determined it. It's in the science, you know. It's in the reports. But you just changed the bloody reports. Well, now. Well, now. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? Now the chickens have come home to roost, ten spies. The chickens have come home to roost, haven't they? You see, they woke the sleeping giants. They woke the sleeping giants, the U.S. corporation, the federal government, because the federal government, the sleeping giant, has been watching for the past two and a half, year, two and a half years, have been listening to your polemic, to your propaganda and realizing that you have just unraveled everything you built your house of sand upon. The hypocrisy of it, you woke the sleeping giants to the double standards and the hypocrisy of your narrative, of your false reports. Don't think that yesterday's decision by the Supreme Court was brought up on about in a vacuum. No, for two and a half years, the ten spies have been systematically tearing down Roe versus Wade without having the hindsight and the blooming foresight to see what they were actually doing.
because they've been banging on about how you do not have the right to body autonomy. Mask up or get out. You're not having any bloody groceries today. Clot shot up or you're not traveling. It's not your body. You do it for the welfare of humanity. Well, that's the welfare state. And that's the public square. And now, because you've been trumpeting that kind of lunacy, you've unraveled 50 years of your own propaganda and you woke the sleeping giant and the chickens have come home to roost. And they didn't have the hindsight or the foresight to see it because most of them would be bumbling around a science lab and blow themselves up with a Bunsen blooming burner. Because that's the public education or re-education system that they've all partook of. They couldn't see the hypocrisy and the double standards, but the sleeping giant did. The sleeping giant did. Well, now the chickens have come home to roost. For two and a half years, they've been trumpeting on that it's not your body and it's not your choice. Mask up, clot shot up, it's not your body and it's not your choice. Banging on here, banging on there. Well, okay, said the Supreme Court, the giants in the land. They've muddied the waters with their own narrative, so much so that the sleeping giants awakened to the sinking sand on which Roe versus Wade was built. Yahweh demands us in this Parsha to be above this world, to be above our strength. We are to rise up against and above the giants. Just as John Bunyan said in the Pilgrim's Progress, they are only paper giants and they are true giants to all of the people that are in the public partaking of their benefits and privileges. But if you are in the private faith and in the closet of your prayer house and you are a Joshua and a Caleb, then they are paper giants to you because we are under the Torah of Yahuwah and we have a mediator that can slay paper giants. Let us take up the land at once. Let us occupy the land at once. And if we live by our conscience, we will see that we are victorious. It's not the permitted land, brethren. It's not what's been permitted. It's not what's been sanctioned by the paper giants. That's what the ten spies believe. It's called the promised land. I live by the promises of Yahuwah. I do not get my rights from government. I get my rights from the Creator. But he who slumbers on his rights, he has none. And then the paper giants rise up. We must never presume the public has your best interests in view. Because that presumption and that assumption could be your very downfall and align you with the ten spies. There is something called a compelling 
public interest test. A compelling public interest test. And it is for spies. It is for faithless. It is for godless. It is for spies. And it's interesting that the state of Oregon blew through the strict scrutiny test years ago on this compelling public interest test. Because its doctrine is oppressive. Just ask the First Nations people inhabited within this state. Verse 44 in conclusion. Never assume and never presume. Because then you will find yourself without Yahuwah. You must act upon what is real. The living word of Yahusha. The written word of Yahuwah. Because assumptions and presumptions cause you to go up upon a hilltop and realize that you didn't have the inward change of the ark of the testimony inside you. And it was too late. You had a change of heart. Oh, well, maybe I should do this. Maybe No. There has to be immediacy of faith in action because if you delay, then that shows that you have moved into presumption because in verse 44 in conclusion, they presume to go up to the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the testimony of Yahuwah and Moshe departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites who dwelt in that hill and they smoked them and they beat them down and that is the propaganda that comes from paper giants and the ten spies. That's all I've got for you today. But there's enough there to make you think a little, I imagine, on the days and times in which we live. But the old chickens did come home to roost yesterday, didn't they? Oh, you've got to laugh at the tomfoolery of the ten spies. Let's see what you've got to say in the chat. Six three. Huh? Six three or five four. Six three, I think. All right, let me give me a second here, brethren. All right. Possibly. Give me a second here while I get organized. All right. If you want my attention, grab it with a red line at TorahToTheTribes.com. And we shall see. Much more truth. Shabbat Shalom. Good to have you back. He gives us a handy. I like it. Thank you so much. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, Sean Allen Vickers. 
Chris Warnicky, Shabbat Shalom. Matthew, maybe you should take every two weeks off to rekindle the fire. Ah, thank you, brother. Great teaching. Praise Yahuwah and thank you. I do feel refreshed. You know, you can't, you can't keep, keep going. You sometimes you do need to take that time to replenish. Shabbat Shalom, the Libby Tube. News article, Israel's Prime Minister Naftali Bennett is stepping down only a year after forming a government coalition. Yahuwah's prophecies unfolding in perfect timing. Well, we do live in a very, very strange time, don't we? Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, and Shabbat Shalom to the emissary of Elohim and Jack's Temple Health. Could this be a smokescreen for something bigger to transpire? Always, always. Again, that's what the Ten Spies and the Paper Giants are all about. The smoke, the smokescreen and conspiring for something bigger. Mamo Kathy 13, that teaching was on point. Well, Baruch Hashem Yahweh, thank you so much. Now, Roger Gates, now you're not any re relation to Bill Gates, are you? It is safer to be in a den of lions with Yah than to climb a ladder to gain in the beast system. Definitely not a relation of Bill Gates there. And Shabbat Shalom, Teasel Grandpa, up there in Snohomish. How long will I be able to say that for? It might be down there in the Texas panhandle. We are most definitely ruled by hypocrisy, inconsistency, double-speak, and fear. Praise Yahuwah. He is a consistent, loving, and full of truth. Fantastic message, brother. Blessings. Well, blessings to you and your tribe up there. Much more truth. Um, Shabbat Shalom. The Ruach gave us the same exact or caps message to give to the people. Romans 8, the carnal mind versus the mind of the spirit. Spirit. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. And Chris Warnicky gives an admonition to us, brothers and sisters, stop worrying about who, constitution, rights granted by man, etc. Walk in the kingdom of Yahuwah. That's all you need to think about. Amen to that, brother. Keep us on the straight and narrow. Shabbat Shalom, Guzman's up there in Snohomish. Will I be saying down here in the Texas panhandle to the Guzman's as well? Truth like Velcro, there are a couple of well-known guys from the U.S. and Canada that do political podcasts that break down the process that they would have to go through. Okay, process, process, process. Megan W. Shabbat Shalom. It's great to be back and thank you for the fire. Thank you for the fire. <sighs> Truth like Velcro puts a great word in here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and I will turn from and, and turn from their wicked ways, then when then then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. T. Preston Marshall, Shabbat Shalom from Michigan City, Indiana. Shabbat Shalom to you, T. Preston Marshall. Good to have you with us. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Well, whew, 
That was good. That was good for me. Oh, good to be back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Well, brethren, Yahuwah's blessings upon you all. Dig deep. We are in the book of Numbers and look forward to getting back to you next Sabbath. And remember, we've got Shabbat Fellowship also next Shabbat. And yes, stay connected always. And thank you for your support. Give us some thumbs up. Really makes a difference. So many people have connected with the ministry just because you've given thumbs up and then it propagates on their little YouTube flow and they go, oh, I'll try that. And then, oh, my goodness, paradigm shift. So help, help other brethren bring the sheep into the fold and we will continue in the mission that Yahweh has called us to do, which is to regather all 12 tribes scattered abroad. Shabbat Shalom.